listener production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, Lion, Guinness and UM have just landed Australia's first ever programmatic campaign of the year award. And it's slightly surprising it's taken this long to happen given how fast the sector is growing. JC Decoe is behind this new initiative, which assembled a panel of judges to land on just one winner. And one of the judges we got on today is the IAB's CEO, Gay Roy, who is going to talk through the Guinness UM win with the rest of the team. One of the criteria for entries was that they couldn't just be a test or have a test budget with these programmatic campaigns. Although it's since emerged that given the success, Lion ended up using the fully-fledged programmatic Guinness campaign as a programmatic digital out-of-home pilot for its broader portfolio of brands. No surprises there, really. The results are pretty impressive for a dark brew consumed mostly in the winter months. And indeed, that was part of the smarts of this programmatic campaign effort. Digital screens within a preset radius of Lion pubs, stocking Guinness would fire up a QR code-led digital sampling campaign once temperatures hit certain thresholds. We're going to talk through the campaign smarts and commercial results very shortly, but Lion and UM figures suggest some robust impact an 18% lift in Guinness revenues over the previous corresponding period of the campaign, and 100,000 incremental pints of the dark elixir sold. So on the mics today to talk through the initiative with Gayla Roy and why Guinness won over the judges is JC Deco's National Programmatic Director, Brad Palmer, UM's Senior Client Director, Mark Ryan, and Winston Stenning, Vistar's Demand Group Sales Manager. Welcome to you all. Um, as I said at the top, Brad, we'll go to you first. It's sort of a long time coming, this awards uh, Programmatic Awards campaign. How did it all come about? Whose idea and how did it get started, Brad? Talk us through that first up. Thank you very much. So I think, first of all, there's really a gap in the market when it comes to awarding out-of-home campaigns in in Australia. And I think there's also a bit of a gap when it comes to sort of programmatic awards. So we wanted to kind of leverage that. I think one of the really interesting points about out-of-home is that it's probably one of the last traditional mediums to go through this programmatic adoption curve. Um, So naturally, there's going to be some early questions from those buyers who are used to buying out-of-home in a certain fashion. And it's a channel that they love planning and buying. So there was always, you know, a few sort of question marks around, you know, the programmatic capabilities of that. So I guess we launched the Programmatic Campaign of the Year Award, you know, to start to steer the market away from CPM premium conversations or impression multiplier education and actually just really start to drive the conversation towards innovation, towards measurement, strategy, and and really get clients to start to push the boundaries to, to drive some, you know, tangible results. So... I guess the other layer to this is that it was really an industry initiative from from JC Deco. So only a quarter of the budget had to run with us. So it absolutely wasn't about revenue driving. It was really about sort of pushing the industry forward to to take a few more risks in this channel. And that happened sort of uh, mid last year announced uh, that you were doing this, right? So this is six months, seven months on. Yeah, we actually launched it early August. Um, so it was for campaigns that were active from the 1st of January to the 31st of December. Okay. But, you know, we actually only launched it in August. So um, there was probably, you know, a good sort of four-month run and, you know, a chunk of the campaigns really sort of landed in that last quarter of the year. But, you know, we'll run it again this year and it'll be for the full year and, and there'll probably be a sort of, you know, longer campaign pushing this from, from our end. 
What's happening uh, from your perspective, Brad, in the out-of-home sector around programmatic trading? What is JCD Co's revenue and growth ambitions here? And what's going on in the market um, more broadly uh, from your perspective? There is some diverging views, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, we can start with the growth. Um, So you kind of referenced it in the intro anyway, but, um, you know, revenues over the last couple of years, each year are probably 80% growth in in this sector, obviously sort of off a low base, but it's coming off a pretty strong year, like chatting chatting to Gay around the results from the overall digital spend, you could see audio with the strongest performance at sort of 20% ish growth last year. So, you know, out of home is absolutely really one to watch from a from a programmatic standpoint for sure. Um, and I think like the the appeal centered around the lower entry costs, aligning to omnichannel strategies, the flexibility, activating data and, and measurement as well. So from a from a global standpoint, I'm I'm quite fortunate to work at a um, a global company in JC Deco where we're now trading in 20 countries. So have some really strong insights into other markets. We've set up an international programmatic council with the leading sort of five markets. So you know we've invested in SSP, DSP, and DMP technology. So we're absolutely committed to the programmatic future, and we know it's a really core part of our sort of growth strategy moving forward. Now, it's probably not the same for all the, 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 the local competitors. You know, there's um, there's definitely some steps in the right direction, though. So collaboration has been quite strong. Obviously, you know, Gay is intrinsically linked to the IAB Digital Out of Home Working Group. We ran a really great event last year with but in conjunction with the OMA, first time an IAB's partner with an outdoor media association to run an event. And that that showcases some of this kind of collaboration. So, you know, not perfect right now, heading in the right direction. What would you say, Brad, is the market percentage of programmatic trading in, in out of home at the moment? So as a if we start to look at it as a total percentage of out of home revenue, it was around about four percent last year. If you look at it as a percentage of digital out of home, it was probably around about the five ish percent. We achieved over seven percent, so we're probably sort That's of pushing a Add to code, correct. Yeah. Yep. I think like the what's interesting is this global forecasting, right? So if we look at the UK, they're predicting by 2027 that it'll be 16% of um, total out of home revenue. And, you know, the our, our friends in Germany are predicting that it'll be 50% of total out of home revenue by 2032. So if you think back okay. to that 4% number, there's a wild ride ahead for programmatic yeah. out of home if you're, invo- if you're involved in it. So it, it's all pretty exciting. But um, we obviously need the market to align on some of the narratives and collaborate a little bit further. And hopefully this initiative actually really, you know, gets a few more brands, a few more advertisers excited about the channel because there's obviously some really great things you can do with it. Well, Gay, you, you've issued your new report on what's going on in, in digital ad spend earlier this week. In terms of programmatic and digital outdoor, I'm assuming you'll sort of echo what um, what Brad's saying on that front, Gay, and then we just will get into a little bit of the Guinness stuff. But maybe just a quick take from you on, on the market outlook and programmatic for digital out of home specifically. Yeah, so so our, our results for CY23, which is a really mixed market um, for, for different digital channels, and as Brad mentioned, we've seen really great growth in audio. We're not currently tracking uh, programmatic digital at home, so I'm um, I'm trusting Brad and his numbers, but we <laughs> yes. haven't got... We well, we all are that. now, aren't we? <laughs> I can't quantify that, but um, everything I'm seeing, it's definitely, you know, it's, you know, I guess coming from a smaller base, so having that opportunity for a really high growth area... A lot of interest around the market, so um, it's great yeah. seeing seeing that growth. 
And I guess to that point, you were saying sort of the campaigns like we've seen from Guinness in landing this award, first award that's been done, um, it can have some material impact, right? Why is this award a good move at, at a market level, industry level? And maybe shed a little insight for us, um, Gay, on, on why the judges landed on Guinness as the winner. Sure. I mean, the, when Brad came to us with this idea, it was quickly embraced after running uh, the conference powering Digital at Home last year, so first local conference on programmatic Digital at Home, where we tried to showcase local case studies, local creative, and, and we really struggled to get r- big, exciting examples of this. Um, so an awards program is a great way of flushing out both the creatives and, and the and the clients. Good work, right? <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, so it did exactly that. So, you know, Guinness has come through as a winner, but there's also a bank of other great local stories in the mix. Uh, Mark Ryan, you're behind this win, the first, with Guinness. Um, before we get into some of the details of what you actually did, what was the challenge that, that you and the Guinness team were, were trying to solve for with this uh, initiative? So really across uh, the Lion portfolio, summer is, is you know, such a key season. We always try to, to win summer as best as we possibly can. Um, but for Guinness, obviously outside of St. Patrick's Day, we don't really kind of have an occasion or a moment that we really want to sort of hone in on and for Aussies to really reach for a pint of Guinness and to s- truly celebrate what that's all about. So... You know, we, we sort of looked and we set out a strategy to really focus in on winter um, as that kind of key moment. Um, and we've been on a, a bit of a three-year journey uh, with Guinness and with Lion to establish ourselves within winter. Uh, and 2023 was that year to unleash um, large-scale initiatives to drive true fame. Um, so obviously, that was kind of our strategy there. You know, obviously, winters can be quite mild here in Australia. So we want to to really sort of trigger and push people to go, you know, I could really go for a Guinness today and to sort of double down on those triggers and really scale up the moments that we thought were right. And obviously that moment for us was was cold weather. So again, our platform was really drink Guinness when it's cold um, and that allowed us to kind of springboard a, a bunch of different ideas kind of off the back of that. Um, and obviously programmatic out of home was, was a great channel for us to execute within. Well, Guinness, the, the winter brew is coming to us all. It makes sense, right? Um. The options you had in front of you, Mark, in terms of you, you obviously could do what you've done with digital programmatic or programmatic digital out of home, but were you flirting with some other options and why did this one end up winning you over? So we really chose programmatic out of home due to the uh, the agility and the targeting capabilities. Uh, we wanted to be as focused and targeted as we possibly could and really sort of use, as I said, that weather trigger as that kind of key um, opportunity to sort of fire up our campaign and go live on certain moments. We had sort of experimented a little bit with weather targeting before across out of home, but never through programmatic. Um, so really, this was our kind of opportunity to really understand the capabilities that we could execute. Um, and 2023 was our first go within programmatic out of home. Um, we kind of had discussed it at length with with the client. You know, we were trying to sort of understand their hesitations and we're able to sort of position programmatic out of home in a, in a really, really great light to sort of go ahead in 2023. So out of home was is always a huge important channel for us across the entire portfolio, but we're able to really sort of go hard with programmatic out of home and to leverage our smaller investment, being able to sort of bring that campaign to life um, through a you sort of hinted at bridge. it, Mark. Was there much debate internally inside UM and the Guinness team about whether this was the channel to do it or was it more around how do we do it? Was there some, how good was it, the discussion? Yeah, we, we, we sort of went back and forth a little bit. And I guess that the biggest thing that we were sort of umming and ahhing about with, with JC and with, and with Lion was around measurement. 
And we really wanted to understand those measurement capabilities. And obviously, Vista and Jason Deco have been fantastic in, in unearthing what those are for us and how we sort of take those learnings and, and implications forward. So I guess... You know, as the channel and as everyone's understanding around programmatic out of home increases and everyone becomes more aware of the capabilities, we're becoming more comfortable with being able to use that as a key channel on our plans. So, yes, there was a lot of discussion in the beginning, but it's definitely something that we're feeling really good about um, and looking to move forward with. And that measurement uh, conversation you talked about, what components or dimensions of measurement were you trying to get to or need to be convinced on? So we had a bunch of number of different targeting layers within our campaign, looking to trigger around weather, location, points of interest, um, and really sort of the the measurement piece that came off the back of that was able to uncover those insights and, and those learnings for us. And, you know, we worked really closely with Winston um, and his team over at Vista around those insights and measurement opportunities. Um, so we were able to build build on those so, Winston, we might go to you actually on this because um, why don't you talk us through some of the, the components of that campaign, the measurement, what you were trying to measure, how you were going to do it, and how all the components come together because uh, you were quite centrally involved in this whole effort too and, and welcome. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Paul. Good to be on the on the podcast with you as well. And, you know, congratulations and kudos to Lion for their uh, first campaign to win an award um, from a programmatic standpoint as well. But, you know, it's when you look back over what they did and the results off the back of it, I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, that they've gone as far as winning this award because they've really brought a lot of the strong benefits and narratives that you can build upon from a programmatic out-of-home perspective to help activate their campaign. We looked at audience targeting men 18+. plus. Lion shared a list of addresses of all of the pubs that stock Guinness, which we then mapped from their address base and converted to lat longs and put back into the platform to plan against those pubs specifically with a one kilometre radius around it. We also used weather triggers through our partner in IBM WeatherFX as the, as the data point to look at activating the campaign in incremental weather conditions being cold to very cold within the geo markets that we're focusing on. Uh, now, I, I've mentioned this previously you know, on, a, on a conversation with you guys, but, you know, what I meant by cold to very cold and incremental. Yeah, what is cold? Yeah, yes, exactly. what, is, what, is, what is cold for Victoria potentially isn't cold for WA. So, there is an element of bandwidth and it's and it's with an understanding of what those regions are that you're advertising in and, and what determines cold to very cold. To so take- in WA, it's probably like 35 degrees and is it anything that's cold <laughs> that triggers it? Yeah, probably closer towards about 15 degrees, I'd imagine. 15, but, right. You know, um, uh, Vic Vic would probably be a little bit cooler than that and, you know, obviously Tassie would be much colder than that again. But beyond the weather triggers and, you know, what I'm always proud of and what I always aim to deliver within campaigns is to use measurement to help prove our campaign effectiveness beyond industry standard tools that we have at our disposal, simply beyond just reach and impressions. And in partnership with LifeSight, um, who we use, we, we delivered a, a footfall attribution report. So how that works is with LifeSight, we're capturing those device IDs that had the opportunity to see that life's, I mean, that Guinness ad, and then we're measuring them back into the pubs that we've, you know, we were shared by line, those Guinness stockers pubs. 
measuring the exposed versus the control, you know, we saw some fantastic uplifts of 14.7% into those locations, which, you know, obviously did a fantastic Just traffic job. footfall going in, 14, nearly sure. 15% up in traffic. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that you know, obviously comes off the back of the redeemable component within the campaign and everyone wanting to get their their, their free pint of Guinness. But it also just talks to the the relevancy of the creative as well and and the you know the the, the situation and environment that potentially people within. Further to the point as well, there was also day parting uh, added to this campaign. So we only started running the campaign from midday onwards. Obviously, you know, there's also controls around prohibition categories within out of home and, and, and adhering to that and not running on screens that are within restricted areas. So there are all of these nuances that help build this campaign up for success and and you know, getting a getting across the business results only recently, it's fantastic to see what that's been able to do for Guinness as a whole and line as well. The campaign was loaded, ready to go, and the moment that you hit the temperature thresholds in whatever state, whatever geography you're talking about, it fired up. There was nothing to do other than it was triggered by temperatures. That literally it was sitting in there waiting, ready to go. Is that kind of how it works, or am I being very, very naive on this? No, no, exactly right. So obviously we use the POI and the 1K radius to inform what screens are available within that area. We then also overlaid the Men 18 Plus audience. And when you overlay an audience, we do a movement analysis of that audience, which describes the propensity of that audience moving through that geo, which helps inform the right media owner and right panel. So that's informing the right media owner and panel within that 1K radius. But what we were doing, we were only firing the creative uh, at the time of when that weather condition was there. And, you know, fortunately, obviously, being in, you know, the winter seasons uh, for this Guinness campaign, we we had some suitable weather which, which delivered upon that. And obviously, the campaign ran out really well and delivered some fantastic reach and impression results. And, you know, most importantly, drove people into pubs and an extra 100,000 plus pints of Guinness, right? Yeah. So cold is good for business. Gay, I just thought you mentioned in our earlier chat that you've seen a few of these sort of geo-targeting campaigns in market, but this one was a little bit different because sometimes those geo-targeting can almost like, I'm not, my word's not yours, but shoehorn into, it's a retrofit if you like. This is a little bit different, you feel? Absolutely. It was strategy-led and not technology-led. So that's what really stood out. You know, they had a problem they wanted to solve and and they use technology and agility to solve that rather than here's a fancy new toy how are we going to play with it yeah yeah mark um let's go to those some of those the business results we've teased most of them out at the top and and winston had a, had a chat there but w- at what point did you and the line uh the guinness team start saying okay this is good this is working when did that start to come through that you you felt like there's a hit here and then what were some of those just maybe go through again some of the business impact numbers yeah, so probably towards the back end of the campaign, midway through towards the back end of the campaign, we saw those samples that were starting to be redeemed. So obviously there were a huge amount of people that had uh, scanned that QR code on that triggered out-of-home creative. Um, but the redemptions of those, we we surpassed around about 2,000, which was well above our expectation. Um, so that was a fantastic result in terms of that immediate uptake um, of that 
of that of that sample. We've run sampling before, but you know, never really see sort of thing uh, redemptions as close to that. So I think the the proximity piece definitely played into that um, as we're able to sort of drive that through and make it as frictionless as possible. And then you know, through Kantar, we saw some great uplifts as well. We saw you know salience increase by three points. We saw a fifteen percent uplift in visitation to those pubs, uh, and you know, consequently, we drove thirteen percent year-on-year increase in literage, um, which equated to one hundred thousand incremental pints drunk. So, overall, I think Lion was super, super happy with this campaign. Um, you know, we'd never really sort of anticipated that it would deliver these fantastic results. So great news story for, from us. If you hadn't done sampling through the programmatic digital out-of-home campaign with Deco, what would you have done? What are the alternatives there? And, and would you have done that if this wasn't in play, this option? We definitely still would have looked at doing some sampling. I think we would have focused on some other channels, if that was through display, if that was through EDM sends, if that was through a physical, you know, handout of a voucher to redeem a right. sample. Um, but, you know, obviously not being able to, not allowing us to be as targeted and as reactive as we were able to through programmatic out of home. So definitely um, a, a win for us in, in that regard. Okay, you mentioned um, the way the Guinness submission was put together with the right data points of business case um, was important for the judges. Just talk us through, you know, as much detail on the submission as you would like. We like lots of detail, but really what we're, what we're saying is, what I'm asking is, um, was this submission slightly different to the others and how it presented the case, the business case? Yeah, and look, some of the, the health of the judgment process was, you know, to Brad's credit in terms of how he picked the panel, the judging panel, because you had deep digital experts, you had out-of-home experts, you know, and that's the real challenge with programmatic digital out-of-home is, is educating both sides of the market of what mm. each side brings. So I think we had a really healthy discussions and looking at all the different entries from our, our different sort of mindsets but what really stood out with this entry, as I, as I mentioned before, it was a really strategy-led piece. It fit with the brand. It had the magic of doing brand work and performance work. So we could see how it was, you know, embedding Guinness, which is already a winter drink, but further embedding that in our minds as, you know, you know, triggering us to think to how to drink a Guinness uh, when it gets cold. The sampling piece is really interesting, but the, the sampling then led to um, a sales uplift. You know, often we do see great sampling results that don't necessarily at least immediately transfer into that uplift in, in dollars as well. So it sort of ticked all the boxes along the way. The data piece, so yes, whether we used in a smart way, that was a benefit to both the client but to consumers, which is often the missing piece sometimes, you know, mm. having a different tagline from a consumer point of view is quirky and fine but there's not a tangible benefit bringing the location data and and that time of day you know you've got three really interesting data points that are working for the campaign you know they're not intrusive anyway and it was cheeky like the guinness guinness brand is known for amazing creative bit of a sense of humour. You know, You're not biased by any, time, by any chance here. Okay? <laughs> I, I understand you drink the stuff, right? Well, I think we're, aren't we International Women's Day? I think next time when Mark's designing oh. their campaign that, you know, that men uh, target, I think we need to need to rethink that one. So Go so. for winter women. There we go. For <laughs> IWD, I think you've got an idea there. So, so creative, Gay. Hey, listen, on that long and short, I think it's a really interesting point. So now I may be clutching at straws here and one of you no doubt will correct me 
something. But if we're talking about 2,000 redemptions and it gets to 100,000 extra points, is that sort of part of the long and short you're talking about? There was some short-term sort of uh, redemption, but then actually the halo was that people kept coming back for a bit longer to buy Guinness after the campaign, or am I just making that up? And that could be, you know, Mark and, and Gay and, and Brad, you might have thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, people would go in and redeem that sample, but I think the, the biggest win is you know, that repeat, you know, consumption that was clearly taking place. So if you redeem a sample, go with your mate, you'd have one, you'd make buy one, you'd stay there for another one. Or if you were in an area that was super cold and you wanted to continue with Guinness, um, you know, we kind of saw that positive result come through from that sales piece. Brad, can I ask you just on what, what you saw with how the Guinness campaign was executed, is this sort of less common at the moment than not? Uh, this is sort of an early example of what's possible in the market, still understanding how all this new channel and the immediacy of it can be used with digital screens? I think the capabilities have been there around measurement and data activations and, you know, piping in sales data or looking at sampling, but an end-to-end planning process and execution was just something that was probably happening a bit disjointed across a lot of the campaigns that we see. There was a lot of sort of smaller test budgets, which, you know, they're spending less than, let's say, 30K. They're not unlocking measurement. They're not unlocking these data pieces, which are, you know, closely related to the fact that, you know, you, you're going to be able to prove an outcome to a client. So that was one of the real motivations around the Campaign of the Year Award was to actually get clients to put a little bit more money in to unlock these measurement pieces in order to really kind of push the boundaries. So, you know, one of the things obviously um, that we're seeing is that there's a, there's DSPs are getting heavily involved in out of home and they've got really strong digital minds, you know, within their businesses. Credit to you, Winnie. Um, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of like, you know, really great sort of strategic thinking when it comes to, you know, digital practices that are being brought into one of the oldest channels that are out there, which is out of home. And then the fact that, you know, you're driving measurable outcomes, you, you, you're linking it to sales results. I, I think there's no coincidence that, you know, some of the leading submissions that we had for campaign of the year award all referenced some kind of sales results you know as that end to end end to end result so yeah it's it's all looking relatively positive and i think like we've set it up in a in a way that you know we're we're trying to provide an alternative to some of the you know the 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 digital channels when the cookies are crumbling and this has been really Mm. nice timing for us to sort of um start to capitalize on that as as the cookies start to finally sort of deprecate well, the big question, Mark, Ryan, is what next? So if this thing worked, I imagine you'll probably come back for another crack in some way for whether it's Gay's big idea for Winter Women and IWD and Guinness or something else. But um, will you be back for another round? What happens now? What next for Guinness for this winter, 24 winter? We will be back. We are expanding our targeting as well. So we're looking at all category buyers. So really important that we open that up and sort of expand our breadth as much as possible. A couple of months after we ran the winter campaign, we actually had another crack at a programmatic campaign in Outer Home, which went live within 24 hours to capitalize on in, um, the Rugby World Cup with Ireland versus New Zealand. So we ran a super targeted campaign with Jaysico, um and through Vistar that got up super, super quickly. So that was a, a great win for us. So again, you know, taking those learnings and that speed to market and bringing that forward is something that we, we see huge benefit in and it's definitely part of our plans for 2024. Well, if I recall correctly, being an all-black supporter, I think the Irish won. That was good for Guinness at the time, I think, wasn't it? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. 
Hey, Brad, so as we wind this up, the next round of the Programmatic Campaign of the Year Awards, clearly we're in 24 and you'll do it again. So what are you hoping to uh, achieve with the year two, basically? Will it expand? Will you have more awards? Or are you going to stick to the netting on just one winner? What does it look like? I think we de-risked it for the first edition to go, we're just going to you know, reward the um, the best campaign of the year. There's also a highly commended for sort of Tourism Tasmania, which um, their off-season 2023 campaign drove some really great results. So, you know, I, I didn't, I, we didn't think that it was necessary to build out a full suite of categories. We've had a few sort of requests around, you know, potentially rewarding more tactical activations. That that ex- that other example of Guinness around the World Cup was a good one. It was really amazing, creative. So maybe there's room to expand into that. But I think you know when we look at when we, when we reflect, there were submissions from pretty much every single holding group. There was submissions from independent agencies. There were submissions from sort of direct clients. We had a really nice spread across the whole, you know, different buying points. So, you know, there's real positivity there. And I think what we want to do is, you know, to Gay's point, we want to leverage some of this great work and tell people about it and start to educate them on, on the, you know, the possibilities around some of these really great case studies. And hopefully we see, you know, some, 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 more more agencies, some more trading desks um, take it seriously as as we move into move throughout 2024. So, I wouldn't say it's going to evolve um, hugely, Paul. Um, but you know, I think we're really comfortable with um, year one, and um, you know, I think it'll be another another great year 2024 once we run it again. Well, we'll see if Mark and Winston can, um, you know, come back for the second year running. No pressure, well, boys, at all. Once they <laughs> see the trophy. Maybe they will. Alison, we'll wrap this up with sort of final takeout from each of you on some watchouts or takeouts for this year for programmatic digital out of home. Maybe just we'll start with Gay first. Yes. So I think we'll see, you know, strong continued growth for programmatic digital out of home. Um, selfishly, I'd love to see it more integrated into the other digital channels. So seeing digital campaigns that really think about, you know, how out of home works with digital audio, with display, with video. So it, becomes you know part of that main conversation rather than as a that whole multiplier effect effect yeah i think in media agency land you know we're we're understanding you know the awareness of programmatic digital out of home and the confidence to really use it across our campaigns i think this is obviously a great testament to the results that it can deliver uh, and the insights and the measurement that is available off the back of programmatic out of home so i think as we are becoming more um across the, the details of what we can actually execute in this space, we feel more confident to definitely bring it forward into our plans. Well, I've got to say, to be sort of absolutely brutal, a, a sort of a 13% lift in, in sales, that's, that's pretty hard to come by for any brand or product. So, you know, it's a real good indicator of what's possible if it's done right. And actually, Mark, what I didn't do at all is ask you about the messaging. So what was the creative or the messaging on this? So we've talked about the channel and all the, the good stuff that can happen inside it. But what was the creative and what was the messaging for this? So the creative was literally a QR code that said, you know, the pints are on us and go and scan here to claim your free pint of Guinness. So it was super, super straightforward. The rest of the campaign really just spoke to winter being that Guinness season. But, you know, that creative message was super targeted based on the location and and sort of the measurement that we wanted to put forward. Winston, your take on, on this, obviously you're deep in this area. So what's your sense for 24 on it? Echo and Gay's sentiment, it's, good. it's going to be a positive roadmap for 2024. 
And I also need to call out the fact that IPG and UM are probably one of the agency hold codes that are really leading the narrative at the moment, you know, you know, similarly with a, with another agency hold code. But, you know, the, the ambitions within IPG is really to see around 20% of all out-of-home dollars being prog- uh, programmatically traded, which is fantastic. And I think that talks to where JCD would like it to be and we would all like it to be at Vista as well across the board. But there's a really positive sentiment which we're seeing out of IPG primarily, which is excellent. We're also releasing a few new uh, product updates in 2024 which will take Vista beyond where we are now. Uh, we're rebranding as well in the in the coming months. So there's a lot of big watchouts coming in the pipeline from mm-hmm. Vista Media and, and ways to engage the market and to ki- continue to talk to the power of programmatic out-of-home and how we can enhance every dollar spent in the overall category. Brad, you wrap this up with, you know, I guess you're probably happy to hear what everything you've heard from the panellists today on the, the upbeat outlook for programmatic digital out of home, just wrap it up in terms of maybe a question that says, will you get to 7 8%, 10% this year? What's the number? What would be the ambition? The ambition is 10% of our digital out of home for, for this year. Um, and, you know, we're off to a pretty strong start for, for this year. And I think hopefully campaign of the year, you know, only sort of propels that along. I think, you know, yeah, it's a really positive, interesting area, um, programmatic out of home. And I think from a tech perspective, we're probably going to see a bit more dynamic campaign optimization come into the mix. And I think that's probably something we wanted to have for campaign of the year last year, because that adds a new layer of creativity to provide, you know, many, many messages and, and streamline some of the challenges around creative delivery and out of home um, as, as, you know, the digitization continues. So that's a, that's a watch out, definitely. From an industry perspective, move to is going to be massive for um, not only out of home, but also, you know, specifically programmatic out of home, because moving from, you know, it's the first big update for 13 years, it's moving into hourly and seasonal delivery of audience data. So that's going to add a new per layer. Screen. Per screen. So it's going to add a new layer of, of accuracy to the delivery of programmatic audiences and delivery of out-of-home audiences in general. So, you know, it's coming at a really perfect time as, as out-of-home is accelerating anyway through compared to a lot of the other channels. And the last piece that I just wanted to call out, probably a nice way to wrap this up is one of the frustrations that I have is, is you know, there's, there's sometimes not enough agencies actually on the tools activating these campaigns. There's a, there's a heavy reliance on DSPs to run campaigns on behalf of agencies and understand that there's agency resourcing issues, you know, in a, in a wide variety across across the industry. But this example was the, was UM, Kineso and Vista working, you know, harmoniously together to deliver an end-to-end strategy and a really amazing campaign. And it really shows that, um, you know, those minds together activating a campaign and delivering something so amazing is a really great mix. So I want to see more people on the tools and, you know, credit to to, to UM, Kineso and, and obviously the Vistar guys and Lion Client on, on this award win because, you know, it's, it's really something to be proud of. It was hotly contested and, you know, it's a, it's a rightful winner in the end. Brad Palmer, Gail Roy, Mark Ryan, Winston Stenning, uh, really interesting conversation, excellent work, and we'll see if um, we can get Mark and Winston back on next year because I just want to make sure that they've got feeling some pressure. Thanks for joining, uh, guys. Good conversation. Thanks, Paul. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app. 
and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.